Welcome to Ed Talks, an audio podcast presented by Achieve Minneapolis and the Citizens League. Ed Talks is a lively series of community conversations about public education and related issues that impact our young people. Each Ed Talks features two compelling, short presentations by cutting-edge educators, youth advocates, students, artists, or community leaders. Ed Talks is supported by a generous grant from the Bush Foundation. This Ed Talks is titled Cultural Responsiveness in and Out of the Classroom. Our featured speaker is Dr. Courtney Bell Duncan. Dr. Courtney Bell Duncan is a passionate educator, education consultant, and founder of Courtney S. Bell Consulting LLC, which works to co-create educational equity solutions with pre-K through 12 educational institutions. While serving as a classroom teacher, she witnessed the power of caring relationships and high expectations for children. She later went on to become an educational leader and consultant with the goal of spreading her love of education more broadly. A proud graduate of North High Community High School, Courtney attended the University of Minnesota, where she completed her BA in Sociology, her Master's of Education in Curriculum and Instruction, and PhD in Education Policy and Leadership. In 2018, she was a finalist for the 2018 Minnesota Teacher of the Year Award. In this Ed Talk, Courtney will discuss how culturally responsive pedagogy has the power to counter and actively disarm epistemic violence against K-12 schools. She will also lay a foundation for transformational shifts in thinking about culture in schools and the broader society. This virtual Ed Talk was live streamed online on February 8th, 2021. Imagine a world where pre-K through 12 scholars are fully immersed in teaching and learning because who they are, what they know, and what matters to them is truly engaged as a standard of practice. Imagine a world where Scholars understand their role in education to be facilitators, partners, knowledge bearers, and curriculum designers. A world where teachers and students have interchangeable identities and are partners in all things pertaining to curriculum and instruction. A world where those previously known as passive learners are esteemed as scholars charged with creation and distribution of knowledge. A world where cultural responsiveness is a way of being and regarded as best practice. For many, this world of education that I'm defining is but a fantasy, but I know this type of education to be a reality. I have personally experienced and witnessed the beautiful manifestations of culturally responsive pedagogy as a high school social studies teacher. And I want to share what I know with you. You see, it was a gloomy April day in 2018 when Chris walked into my advising office at the U of M and brought the son with him. Prior to Chris arriving, I had received a call from the front desk letting me know that a student insisted on meeting with me, but that I didn't have to take the unscheduled meeting. I stepped out of my office and saw a familiar and smiling face that I would never turn away. So I immediately waved him down and said, come on in, have a seat. Before sitting down, he said to me in excitement, Miss Bell, I have to talk to you about something and it's really important. So I stared at him, letting him know that he had my undivided attention. What he told me next would change the way I viewed culturally responsive teaching forever. Chris went on to tell me that he had thought long and hard about his proposed major in business and that he had changed his mind and wanted to become a social studies teacher. He told me that he wanted to give back to our home community of North Minneapolis as an educator. 
just as I had. He told me that he had watched me carefully since his freshman year and that I had exceeded all of his negative perceptions of teachers in the teaching profession. He told me that in my classes, he developed a love for social studies, specifically history and sociology, and that he planned to declare a major in history and a minor in global studies. Needless to say, I was speechless. I mean, absolutely silent. My words failed me, but my heart was filled with pure joy at what he had shared with me. He went on to ask me to help him to begin the process of transferring to the College of Education and Human Development and to enroll in the direct track to teaching pre-licensure program. I dropped everything I was doing and connected him to the director of direct track. And as of now, he is a thriving junior in the program with plans to enter directly into the adjoining MED teaching licensure program immediately after graduation. On that day, Chris had made the life-changing decision to follow in my footsteps and pursue a career as a high school social studies educator. Beyond pride in that moment, I was moved to tears because my time as an emancipatory educator, advisor, mentor, and advocate had come full circle. You see, I first met Chris when he was a 14-year-old freshman in my first hour human geography slash African-American history course. We shared our first year at North High together, learned together, and grew up together as teacher and scholar. Chris watched me grow from a struggling first year teacher who was frequently late to work to a 2018 Minnesota Teacher of the Year finalist during our fourth and final year at North High. Best of all, I got the opportunity to teach Chris again during his senior year when he enrolled in my elective sociology course. I watched him grow from a sweet yet sarcastic freshman into an empathetic, socially conscious young man who was deeply concerned with the human condition and the social world. Chris modeled his strong grip on social problems and solutions when I challenged him and his classmates to research and apply either the symbolic interactionist, functionalist, or conflict perspectives of sociology to their lives and to teach their classmates about the theories from their own perspective. Chris chose to focus on the symbolic interactionist theory and what means the most to him and why. He also used the symbolic interaction theory to explain how he had come to understand himself and the world around him. Chris and his classmates taught each other about the foundational theories of sociology through the application of the theories to their lives and their personal worldviews. This was made possible first by scaffolding the introductory information of sociology and then asking each of them to analyze, evaluate, create, and teach about the content through the lens of their own cultural experiences. I moved out of the way and allowed Chris and his peers to lead and learn from one another. And to be honest, it was the most rewarding gift to watch what they did with the stage. Chris attributed his love for and success in my social studies courses to co-creating the curriculum, facilitating thought-provoking conversations with his peers, and co-teaching from his own worldview alongside me. Yes, you're hearing me correctly. Chris and I started as a first-year teacher and a first-year student at North High School in 2014, graduated and retired together in 2018, and met again as professor and student in a first-year experience course at the U of M in the fall of 2018. Trust me, if I didn't live it, 
I wouldn't believe it. To have had the opportunity to not only teach Chris as a high school freshman, senior, and college freshman was absolutely breathtaking. To hear him describe how our genuine relationship and my authenticity as a culturally responsive educator influenced his decision to pursue a career in teaching honestly changed my life. It was in that moment that I recognized the emancipatory power of culturally responsive pedagogy. I watched Chris rise above epistemological injustice over a four-year period and was blessed enough to see him run freely toward a career in a field that I hold dear. According to Miranda Ficker, epistemological injustice or oppression refers to those forms of unfair treatment that relate to issues of knowledge, understanding, and communication structures. These include a wide range of topics concerning wrongful treatment and unjust structures of meaning-making and knowledge-producing practices, such as exclusion and silencing, invisibility, inaudibility, distorted presence or representation, having one's meanings or contributions systemically distorted, misheard, or misrepresented. In classrooms across America, young scholars like Chris experience epistemic injustice or knowledge oppression on a daily basis. It shows up in the form of silent student voices, lacking or misrepresented depictions of self in course textbooks, disacknowledgement of the cultural experiences and contributions of marginalized peoples, and through the complete erasure of multicultural histories and narratives in course curriculums. Many educators find themselves on the distributing end of epistemic injustice without a clue of how to change and revolutionize their practice. Many find themselves in search of a manual on cultural relevance and, a, and student engagement. But what if I told you that epistemic injustice is a social issue with deep emotional, educational, and moral implications? The late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I am convinced that men hate each other because they fear each other. They fear each other because they don't know each other. And they don't know each other because they don't communicate with each other and they don't communicate with each other because they are separated from each other. I offer that epistemological injustice is the manifestation of the unknowingness and lack of communication that Dr. King spoke of in his Nobel Peace Prize speech. It is impossible to learn from or teach those who you do not know. Quite frankly, one cannot learn from or teach those who they hate, fear, or spend no time with. Many of you probably agree with me, but the question is, what will we do to start conversations, pass the mic, and share the stage with students in classrooms? The answer lies in two words, cultural responsiveness. For many, these two words trigger the paralysis of fear. Many ponder, how am I supposed to know and understand the cultural and lived experiences and preferences of each student that I teach? Answered simply, you can't. No matter how well-traveled one may be or how many international souvenirs one collects, it is impossible to be an expert on the cultural experiences of others. Feel free to take that weight off your shoulders. Now that we've established that cultural omniscience is not realistic, let's focus on what is possible. Every person, whether educator, scholar, parent or administrator has the ability to connect with others through communication. Don't believe me? Listen to this. If I were to inform you 
that I just became engaged to be married, what would be the first question you'd ask me? I'm thinking that you asked me who popped the question or who's the lucky guy, right? Well, that's because in the case of marriage, it's understood that engagement takes two. However, when engagement of students by teachers is discussed, scholars are expected to engage without the big question being asked of them. What's the big question, you ask? Well, there are several questions, actually, with the main ones being, who are you? What matters to you? Where are you from? How does what we're learning connect to your lived experiences? How can we be partners in your education? When these sorts of questions are asked of scholars, authentic engagement is inevitable. Cultural responsiveness is spearheaded by asking genuine questions, listening intently, sharing openly and responding accordingly. The culturally responsive educator sparks conversations with scholars by genuinely inquiring about who they are, what's important to them, what's important for them, and how this all connects to what they're learning. The mic is then passed to the scholar for their voice to be heard loud and clear and to be listened to. More important than the act of asking and listening is the response of educators to the vital information that has been shared with them. Making the call, starting the conversation, listening, sharing, and responding are the five key essentials of culturally responsive practice. Best of all, everyone has the ability to do these things. You learn from Chris's story the impact that culturally responsive pedagogy and a scholar-led classroom can have on the lives of learners. And its influence doesn't stop there. In a 2016 study conducted by Bird, 92% of the 315 sixth through 12th grade students surveyed indicated that they were more engaged in learning when their teacher used real life examples and tried to connect lessons to their interests and lived experiences. The numbers truly do speak for themselves and so do the scholars in classrooms across the United States. I'm sure you probably think that this is the part of my talk where I give you a 10-point list on how to be a culturally responsive educator. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint, but that will not be happening here today. Why not? Simply put, epistemic injustice and cultural destructiveness stem from the human heart and mind, and therefore must be corrected through thoughtful and heart-filled effort. Genuinely seeking to know understand, learn from, and collaborate with scholars in their educational journeys takes effort of the heart and mind. I believe that if you shift the mind and heart that the practice will surely follow. I believe that everyone has the capacity to be culturally responsive and the only prerequisite is to acknowledge your humanity and the humanity of others. The war against epistemic injustice can be won, one battle at a time by making cultural responsiveness a way of life. Start the conversation, pass the mic, and share the stage with scholars you serve. I promise you won't regret it.